0: Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by Lakelink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com.
1: Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, high-tech and performance camelware at a price you can afford. Huntworthgear.com. And by Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. Now a proud sponsor of Outdoors Radio and always a supporter of duck hunters everywhere. Ducks.org I'm Dan Small. Today, Jim Bobby Ash announces December events and specials at the Range of Richfield. John Steigerwald offers advice for the last month of grouse season. And Asher Torbeck shares an incredible deer hunting story. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, and this is a feature you hear every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070, and anytime at all, 24/7, 365, as they say on LakeLink iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And joining us once again is Pat Hasberg. He's the proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on Madison's northeast side. His website is dsbait.com, and he has a weekly fishing report that he posts on his Facebook page as well. Well, Pat, thanks for joining us, and welcome back.
2: Hey, Dan, yeah, great to be here. Always a pleasure.
1: I guess we got to talk about deer a little bit, because you and I were both hunting. How was your deer season?
2: My season was slow. I hunt just north of Richland Center. And- boy, we usually see a lot of deer. Of course, that's great deer country up there, but I don't, I don't know what it was about opening day and opening weekend in general, but we just did not see a lot of traffic. I think the whole gun season, I, I, I think I only saw six deer come through. Not great for me, and uh, how are things for you?
1: Well, our camp got one deer on opening day, and another one a few days later. I hunted two and a half days. I never saw a tail, so I haven't pulled the trigger in two years, but you know, I'm going to Go up for the four-day antlerless again uh, next week and see if I can't put some venison in the freezer to go along with the roadkill that I hit two months ago. That's right,
2: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, good luck to you. I I wish you the best.
1: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And yet the DNR reports that uh, some 200,000 deer died during the nine-day gun season, so a few people saw them anyway.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make me feel too great about uh, my... My, my scent, or what, what it is, that the deer weren't liking,
1: whatever valley I was hunting in there. Yeah. I don't know what it was, well, yeah. It, it, as uh, the biologists have always told me, they are not evenly distributed on the landscape. So wherever That's they right. were, they weren't near you and me this uh, this past season. But at any rate, fishing is still available if people want to brave this uh, crazy weather we had this week. Uh, is anybody fishing on the Madison chain now?
2: There are some folks, in particular from shore, has been uh, still really great for walleyes around the chain here, uh, but musky anglers are still getting out and doing very well. I saw on social media a guy here on Lake Monona caught a 52-and-a-half-inch muskie on the fly rod. Rumor has it that that's the largest muskie caught on the Madison chain on a fly rod. That was pretty exciting news. Other than that, um, you know, pan fishing and bass and that's been pretty slow, although we did have some ice. Last week, uh, after opening weekend of deer season, uh, Cherokee Marsh up here froze over a little bit, so we had two-and-a-half, three-inches ice out there. Bluegill fishing was hot and heavy for those willing to brave the potentially sketchy conditions, but that ice has come and gone. Cold weather this week, though, looks like it could lock that right back up.
1: That that is the thing about first ice is everybody wants to get out there, and yet, you know, two-and-a-half is... I wouldn't go out on it. Three inches is marginal. And when you put a bunch of people in the same place, even four or five inches can be risky, especially with our spring holes and currents and things like that.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, kind of a go at your own risk thing. I I did make it out on Cherokee uh, Monday and Tuesday last week. Like I said, we got into some nice hills. But, you know, you really got to understand the ice conditions. And of course, being on the north side here, we were monitoring that pretty closely. And it was safe there for a few days. But just this last Saturday two guys went through because the ice had deteriorated so so much and then I, actually I heard yesterday just yesterday too there's still people pushing that and they had to pull another guy out so oh boy. I, thankfully every, everybody wound up being fine as far as uh, surviving that but uh, you know people really got to think before they go out and risk Something like that, I
1: think. Yeah, and it's a lot of extra work for the rescue teams that are prepared for it, but, you know, they sh- they should be doing other things. And and if a real big emergency comes around and some guy goes through the ice because he was a little foolish, uh, that could be disastrous in-, in several directions.
2: That's right. Yeah, you don't want to take up those valuable resources that could be used someplace else. You know, it's not worth it just to catch a few bluegills, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, but pretty soon we hope there will be good ice and what advice do you have for people who want to get out especially people who haven't done it before Uh, the people who are experienced anglers they pretty much know what to do and when to go but somebody wants to get started in ice fishing what do you tell them
2: of course it's nice if you can have a mentor to kind of guide you along but i i feel like ice fishermen are really a, a generally a friendly group of folks and are happy to to lend any advice that they might have so go to a, a popular place here in madison you know you got cherokee marsh up there is going to be busy here at first ice but then you got monona bay and the triangles uh downtown and you know out there it's i don't think anybody's taken it too seriously they're, they're they know that it's a urban area with a lot of fisher folks out there trying to Just catch a few fish and enjoy the day. So you know, I'd say generally people are happy to lend any advice. But you know, just you can you can really get started for not too much money. Get an auger and a rod and a bucket, and you're pretty much good to go.
1: Yeah, and you've got all that stuff in your shop, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we got everything to get everybody started, and happy to point people in the right direction and and show them what they need. We're we're not trying to sell people. The fanciest gear or anything they don't need i'm I'm just happy to get people out and get people introduced to the sport and they let them take it from there
1: and like gene your predecessor you rely on return customers so you want somebody to be happy with whatever (laughs) advice or uh, equipment you provide them with and uh, to come back for for more or for more bait or whatever
2: absolutely i'm happy to set somebody up with what they need to get started, and then, uh, like I said, let them take it from there. But you know, we've got uh, great bait, and and uh, you know what what I think really makes local shops in general unique is that they offer that service of the local knowledge of the waters and can really point people in the right direction and put them on fish. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, and speaking of advice, you have a seminar series that started this week, and you do this for uh, for how how many weeks do you do it now?
2: For the first three weeks here in December, uh, Thursday nights at 7 o'clock right at the shop, we have local experts coming through talking about different aspects of ice fishing, everything from deep water perch to shallow water bluegills and um, everything in between. So it, it's a, it's something that Gene, the previous owner, did for many years. I used to attend the seminars myself, and it was a very valuable experience, a great way to kind of shorten that learning curve if, if you're trying to figure out the Madison chain.
1: And what's coming up next Thursday?
2: Uh, next Thursday we have Noah Humfeld, who's a great local guide. We're going to be talking about pike and walleye on the Madison chains, and both using tip-ups and jigging rods and, and where to find those fish uh, when the conditions get safe out, in, out over that deeper water, uh, but also you know throughout the season how they move around.
1: Well, good. Well, and what are yeah. your winter hours now?
2: Winter hours are the same as the summer hours. We got to, we're open six to six every day except for Sunday. We close at
1: five. Okay, and you're there most of the time now. The deer season's over, right? Yourself personally? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> now that I, I finally pulled pulled myself out of the woods. I'm, I'm back back behind the counter, and uh, yeah, there most
1: days. All right. Well, Pat, thanks so much for the report. And folks can get an update posted every Friday on your Facebook page. And I hope people will come and check out your seminars this year.
2: Thanks, Dan. Yeah, they're they're gonna be a great time packed with a lot of great
1: information. All right. That was Pat Hasberg with the Madison Report. He is the proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on Madison's Northeast Side. His website is dsbait.com. dot com and on his Facebook page he posts a Friday morning fishing report. And don't forget the seminar next Thursday and the the Thursday after that as well. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy-mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, the Range
3: At 888-JOIN-RGS.
1: If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupie & Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal, year after year. The firm of Hupie & Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupie & Abraham. 800-800-5678, or visit hupi.com. And all 11 offices of Hupi and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. And I have not heard that Mike Hupi has paid out that $25,000 reward, so I think it's still out there. If you know of a homicide case or have a tip to an unsolved homicide case, and it leads to a conviction. Check out the Milwaukee Crime Stoppers website. That's com. The phone number is there if you have a tip. Well, joining me once again from Wisconsin Rapids, Jeff Kelm. Hey, well, Dan. Jeff, yeah, At deer season the the rifle part of it is over, at least the buck part of it's over. Did you go out again? Um
4: I I got a chance to get out and do a little bit of uh of um muzzle loader season, but you know I've, I've got all my all my buck tags filled for for both the the archery and the the gun season. So uh, I'm, I'm after some does, and we've got some other opportunities with the uh, antlerless season uh, coming up, and then the uh, the holiday hunt as well. So uh, my son has already asked to you know when's the next time we can. Uh, go sit in the blind and get the gun out, so we 're going to get a chance to do it muzzle loader season i wasn 't going to have him sit behind the muzzle loader that fifty cal kicks just a little more than his two hundred forty three yeah i, I wasn't going i wasn 't going to surprise him with that one because we have not had him shoot that one before,
1: yeah, and that takes a little bit of um, reflex action too because you 've got to hold steady even with an inline a modern muzzle loader that you shoot and that I shoot it 's not Pow! it's kapow, you know and if yeah. you move between the car cu- and the pow, uh you may throw your shot off so yep absolutely so he didn't get enough then on after his successful hunt up in Douglas county he's still basking in that glow but once more huh? <laughs> he's he's really been excited about it he, and uh you know i'm i'm i'm
4: excited to take him i i didn't know how this is going to be you know you and i talked uh, a while back and i think we talked around uh uh turkey hunting season and he wasn't quite ready we, we had yeah. him shoot his his 410 he wasn't comfortable and, and we didn't we didn't have him go and then throughout the late summer we had him starting to shoot the 243 and he seemed more comfortable once i put you know the big heavy coat on him and things like that he, he was no longer worried about any kind of recoil or anything and and now he's you know uh he's got that 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 training down in the sense of he knows what his target looks like in the acquisition of that. Um, he knows what it's supposed to look like when he when he pulls that trigger. And so I think now he can just kind of sit and 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 sit in that excitement of hey I'm I'm, I'm doing something with dad. Um, I'm harvesting animals. We're utilizing these animals at home. Uh, this has been you know a, a fun experience. So um, I think that's where we're at with it. And I and I kind of hope that's what happens as we you know go into the spring and we do some turkey hunting again a, as well.
1: Yeah, I I suspect it will. And his friends at school, I would imagine, were impressed.
4: Oh yeah, they were and and he's been uh he's been uh handing out jerky. <laughs> we <made> jerky. <laughs> and to the point where it's become a problem. The teacher contacted us. She said, you know, uh He's he's not eating it much of it. He's he's kind of dishing it out to everybody else, and it's becoming a distraction. So you may want to just leave the jerky at
1: at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice that he wants to share the wealth of his. Sure. service there. that's great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I did not hunt the last weekend of deer season, despite the nice weather, and you know I had a lot of chores around the house. Got some firewood in, cleaned up around the farm, and got another trailer load of firewood with the Flow Cargo Max at. Uh, handles it very nicely, and you know my um, Explorer is still in the body shop, so I'm taking advantage of the Toyota Tacoma that the insurance company provided while my truck's in the shop, and uh, I think I'll have it back by the end of this weekend or early next week, at any rate. Uh, and then I'm going to go back up to Bayfield, I think, for the tail end of the muzzleloader season and the four-day antlerless hunt and see if I can't put some venison in the freezer to accompany that roadkill that I got. Mm-hmm. And uh, our videographer, Dave Roll, shot a buck and a doe Saturday afternoon about 30 seconds apart down at a friend's place in Crawford County. And in that really nice weather, he was sitting out on a, uh, a chair that his friend had salvaged from the recycling center, which is a fancy word for dump. And, you know, we, we sometimes take home not as much as we take there, but he salvaged this nice chair, cleaned it up, leaned it against the tree, and Dave sh- sat in, in that chair, and, uh, I don't know how many deer, six or eight does, and this one buck came out, and, he dropped the buck in a doe and gave me a call, and so we sampled both of them for the new pneumonia test that the DNR is doing on deer here in the southwest, and then we took them to Matt Tainter, the taxidermis, and Westby for CWD testing, so we're going to get the results on that, and of course we videoed it for next year's um, Deer Hunt Wisconsin show, so we're mm-hmm. getting some things in the can already. Well, I I did not see a deer during the gun season, but preliminary totals that I've seen so far, it's more than 200,000 deer were taken and another 100,000 or so archery and crossbow deer so far, so 300,000 deer we've hit that mark again this year and harvest totals are up 14% over last year. So fewer hunters, more deer, I guess there are plenty of them out there. Mhm. I think it was a, you know, perfect
4: storm. You know, it was cold, but those that stuck it out uh saw some movement, we had that earlier, you know, start date, so maybe a little bit of rut activity, you know, and I, I I, think hunters are, in general, maybe not everybody, but are getting a little smarter on the way they hunt, and I think that's why we start to see some of these buck numbers up and things like that, uh, they're just, uh, they're approaching things a little different than, you know, Grandpa used to do.
1: Yeah, and if there are fewer hunters out there, one thing that tells me is that the serious hunters are probably among those fewer hunters who are out there. So, experienced and serious hunters are the ones who often, not always, often get better shots at deer and bring home more venison. Mm -hmm. And during the season, unfortunately, there were eight shooting incidents, one fatal, and one thing I noticed, Jeff, half of them, once again, were self-inflicted, I don't know how many times people have to refresh the rules but it certainly doesn't help or doesn't hurt rather to uh, remind yourself of those four safety rules of gun handling and you wouldn't have those accidents
4: yeah it's it's uh you know i'm always quite impressed by the way my son and and some of the younger generation handles uh, uh their their firearms most of the time they're kind of you know they're a little fresher out of training whether it be mentor or the you know or, or hunter safety uh but there does seem to be a lapse in judgment at times uh through through people and that's that's what this is they're completely preventable accidents every single one of them every Excellent. one of them broke a rule uh in the firearm safety uh realm at, that uh, could have been prevented
1: yep absolutely well we will talk about that again i'm sure as the um as the seasons continue, hopefully there won't be any more uh, shooting incidents and hopefully people get out and enjoy the muzzle order, what's left of it, in the four-day and the holiday season and get some more venison. Well, coming up, Range of Richfield President Jim Bobby Ash tells us what's in store at the range this month. RGS Forest Conservation Director John Steigerwald has some advice for late-season grouse hunting. And you may have heard about this crazy deer hunting story with a tall, long-legged bird involved. Well, Asher Torbeck was the hunter, and he shares that story with us also coming up. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Have more success on the ice
4: with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, Echomap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery, all packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids, big and small, we have them all stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road trails or waters don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing call remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com
1: for all your battery and battery accessory needs enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the range of richfield your one-stop shop for all shooters Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com.
0: Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies are celebrating 60 years of habitat improvement for grouse, woodcock, and other young forest wildlife. You can learn more at roughgrousesociety.org. And joining us for one more conversation this year is John Steigerwald. He's the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for RGS and AWS. And, John, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Good to be back, Dan. Folks know we record this early, and, in fact, we're recording today on Giving Tuesday, and you folks have a message for us, don't you? Yeah, that's right, Dan.
2: Just wanted to, to plug that
5: uh, today, Giving Tuesday, it takes off a season of giving going into the end of the year, the holiday season, and just wanted to put in a quick plug that if you support forest conservation, forest health and forest wildlife, an organization like Rough Brow Society is a great organization to think about giving um, on Giving Tuesday and in the season of giving going into the end of the year. Surely would appreciate the support to advocate and create healthy and abundant forest and wildlife habitat and groups.
1: It certainly is a good cause. As you know, I've been a member for many years, and I renew my membership annually. And there is an event coming up next week. Tell us about that. In Eau Claire, I understand.
5: Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, so, you know, one of the, the many things that our guest does is, you know, we're, we're a member nonprofit organization with chapters in a lot of local communities. And one of our local chapters in Chippewa Valley Chapter is hosting events. Film Festival in Eau Claire at the Pablo Center on December 5th and 6th. It's a wonderful event I've attended in years past. It's a film festival geared toward short films related to outdoors, outdoor adventures, and things like skiing, rock climbing, wildlife viewing. And a, a few years ago, it was actually a film that highlighted the driftless region of Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen that film. So that is next week and Is there information on the RGS website?
6: There is. So if
5: you go to our RGS website, you'll find many tabs at the top of the page. Underneath the engagement tab, you can go to events and find on the calendar and learn more about it.
1: All right. Sounds good. Well, let's talk about hunting now. The grouse season is still going on. It ends very soon, December 8th, in the southern zone. But the northern zone, it goes through January 9th, and before we talk about winter hunting or late season hunting, how's it been so far for you and for others you've talked to? It's
5: been a bit of a different season. I should add that I did, unfortunately, miss out on a good portion of my season due to being up sick with COVID.
0: Oh, Oh um,
5: well, yeah, it did happen. But I did manage to rescue my season and talking to many of our members and other colleagues of mine about this, this season. It was just relatively tricky because we had seemed like an early cold spell going into the season, which turned into a quick warm-up. We had one day here in in Spooner, Wisconsin, in the lower 70s in early November. So it it seemed like there were just really difficult weather conditions to pin down. Of course, getting your dogs out in that type of heat is very, very difficult. You can't run your dogs for very long in that that type of heat. And it made those conditions a little bit harder. Leaves seemed to have held on to trees a lot longer into the season. And that made, of course, the shooting conditions a lot harder. It was a little, a little bit tougher season, but the reports have been fairly good as far as the number of birds that people are seeing and, and shooting. So it did seem like for a while, when conditions dried up, birds were bunching together uh, it was a common theme it, that I heard talking to many of our members and staff.
1: So there are some birds left. And for folks who want to hunt them oh, yeah. this time of year, what advice have you got?
5: Rough grouse utilize very diverse habitat throughout the year, they'll use young forests, they'll use mid-aged forests, they use older forests, depending upon the different life stages. And that's what you know, makes them such a great advocate for uh, healthy forest management, diverse forest management, because of that habitat usage. And this time of year, really a lot of those birds are moving out of those younger forests that people really see them in in October months, the, the peak of the rough drought hunting season. And you actually see the rough-gross start to move into mid-aged forests, a lot of them with an, an understory shrub layer, you know, a hazelnut, brush, sure. ironwood.
1: Sure. Those
5: type of species where really rough grass are moving from feeding off of herbs, forbs, grasses, seeds, insects, and really moving into feeding on the buds and catkins of different tree and shrub species. So this is where you, you, you tend to see uh, individuals coalescing in, in aspen canopies, feeding off aspen buds, getting those crops filled full of aspen buds and, and uh, catkins from uh, hazel brush, keg, alder, birch, and, and other so- associated species. But there's also something to be said looking for birds and stands that have conifer components. Of course, we're not yet into the good snow roosting habitat condition where rough grouse will dive into about a foot of snow and, and tuck themselves in and, and roost under the snow. The birds are, are seeking out those balsam spruce trees that have low hanging branches going to the ground. Find those areas where they can kind of hide and blend in because Uh, If you know anything about rough grouse, you know they're gray phase, they're red phase, they're brown. They kind of stick out like a sore thumb on a white background. Yep. Uh, So you get a lot of birds seeking out those really diverse stands that have that conifer component in them, as well as areas where you might have fallen trees, tipped-up trees where they can tuck themselves underneath a dead tree or or bust the top of a tree laying on the
6: ground.
1: All right, good advice. Now, some people say we really shouldn't be hunting them in winter because the birds that have made it this far are our breeding stock for next year. What are your thoughts on that?
5: That's part of the the debate in the science of compensatory and additive additive mortality. Part of the debate going into the the rough grouse management plan that was drafted in 2020 or approved in 2020 for the state of Wisconsin, and they are really looking at the season length in our state. And really what we acknowledge and considered after surveying a lot of rough grouse hunters is really realizing that there are so few people that kind of brave the cold, snowy conditions of December, January, that there's not really a whole lot of additive mortality that's going on by those late-season hunters. For most people, it's you got your dog kind of really worked up all season, really fit in good health and condition, and a lot of those dogs kind of get antsy, so a lot of folks just want to kind of get out, run off some of that steam and energy with their dogs. And if they come across the bird, they come across the bird. For most people, you've gotten your birds this late season. Most hunters, it's more about the other passions of the sport this time. Than oh. than, you out know, there and killing
1: birds. All right. So, if folks, have dogs, and our grouse hunters, a little winter hunting is not going to hurt anything but the individual grouse that you might be lucky enough to bag. John, thanks so much. Good luck to you. I know you're going to be hunting uh, the rest of this season, and uh, we hope you have a good holiday season. We hope folks... Pay attention to the message we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation about giving to organizations like the Rough Grouse Society and that event coming up next week in Eau Claire. All that's on the website. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you.
1: John Steigerwald, Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. And you can learn more about everything we've talked about at roughgrousesociety.org. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio.
0: Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Range of Richfield is your ultimate shooting experience. Located on Helson Drive, just north of the Richfield Cabela's store at the split of highways 41 and 45 and on the web at therangewi.com. And joining us for our monthly chat about what's happening at the range is Range of Richfield President Jim Bobiash. Well, Jim, welcome back. Thanks for joining us.
6: Hello, Dan. I'm happy to be back, number one. Number two, I hope you and your family had a great Thanksgiving.
1: We did, and you as well?
6: Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, My son made two turkeys on his smoker, and it was just outstanding.
1: Smoked turkey? Yeah, cool. And how was November before we jump into December?
6: November was great. Our Black Friday weekend was spectacular. I was just amazed at the number of people we had coming in, which was wonderful. I think everybody had a really great time, and I think the folks that were leaving were walking away with some really special deals. I was very pleased on the way the whole thing worked.
1: Well, great. I'm glad that worked out. I'm glad you had a lot Thank of people you. come in. So what's going on? You've got classes going on in December, right?
6: We do. We have some. We don't have as many as we normally do because of just the holidays. We will be ramping up classes right after the first of the year. We'll have our full slate of classes. Keep an eye out for it. But right now we've got a Wisconsin Concealed Carry course, which is December 11th and then also one on December 27th. Basically, you know, that's about all we have right now, just because of the holiday getting in between here. And people just are too busy to focus on classes. So, again, right after the first of the year, we'll be back in full force.
1: Well, you have some competition, though, going on, right?
6: Oh, yeah. Uh, Our IDPA matches are going great. Um, These are conducted by Badger IDPA. And these matches fill up quickly. And the folks are having a great time. I think there's a maximum of 40, and we hit that every time we do this, which is really great. You know, if you're interested, uh, you can call or check our website for future matches. And actually, they're having their annual Christmas party here on December 10th. So uh, we're looking forward to letting them shoot and have a good time uh, enjoying some
1: good food. Good. Well, how about safes? You got safes?
6: Yeah, this is a great time to buy a safe. Uh, Liberty is the best built safes on the planet. We just received a truckload of these beauties and their price to sell. We have partnered with Liberty to offer some exciting rebates through the end of the year. So if you're thinking about buying a safe, now is the time. We have a great selection, and we have most of them in stock. So take advantage of this special pricing. There's a chance that we could have that safe that you want in your house by Christmas. Oh, nice. So come on and take a look, yeah.
1: Well, you got some specials going on this month?
6: We do. Super Saturday and Sunday is December 17th and 18th. And we'll be offering some super specials on many of our popular products. Buy a gun and get a free gold range card. Now, that's good for $100 worth of range time. So it's getting $100 off when you buy a gun. Wow. All of our holsters and next belts will be 25% off. Mags, 15% off. Conceal carry purses, 25% off. So And don't forget about our gift cards. They're a great option for those who have everything or are difficult to buy for.
1: Yeah, good.
6: We are also get 10% off your new or renewal membership when paid in full. We're also offering 25% off all Benchmade knives. If you purchase a $100 gift card, you'll get a free $10 gift card as a special bonus. And then we've got our super tax savings ammo sale. For those two days, you're going to be able to buy five rounds of 9mm ammo for $100, including sales tax, and a $25 gift card. Now, that's a good deal.
1: Wow, five boxes or five rounds? Five boxes. Five boxes, okay. So that's a uh, 100 rounds, right? Or, or they're 50 in a box? There's
6: 50 in a box.
1: Oh, man, so that's, a, that's a deal.
6: 250 rounds. Yeah, it, cool. it is. It's, it's outstanding. So come on and take advantage of it.
1: Fantastic. Well, and with Black Friday weekend and, and a lot of people coming in there, have you got anything left to sell us?
6: Oh, yeah. We've been planning for this. So our shows have been restocked. Anticipating all of your shopping needs, we even have set up a few bargain tables with various items at very special prices that will be available between now and Christmas.
1: Well, good. Speaking of Christmas, I would imagine that you're going to have some days off uh, during the holiday season, right?
6: We will be closed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to spend time with family. Come on in before that, and we can help you out. And after Christmas, if you got any money that, you, that came in and burned in a hole in your pocket, we'll, we'll have deals still running, so come on
1: in. Now, this is your ninth year you've already started, right?
6: Yeah, isn't that amazing? Nine years. And we're hoping to make this year bigger and better than ever. We have committed to make the range of Richfield your ultimate shooting experience.
1: Well, Jim, we hope you have a good Christmas and a good holiday there and a wonderful new year. We'll talk to you again around the first of the year, but till then, happy holiday season.
6: Thank you very much. Thank you. And, and from all of us here at the range, we'd like, we'd like to thank all of our members, guest friends for a great year and wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a healthy, Happy New Year.
1: All right. Well, Jim, we will talk to you again in about a month, so thanks so much
6: to it, Dan. Thank
1: you. You bet. Jim Bobby Ash is the president of the Range of Richfield. The Range of Richfield is your ultimate shooting experience. They're located on Helson Drive, just north of the Richfield Cabela store, where highways 41 and 45 divide, and you can find them as well on the web at therangewi.com. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com.
4: Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, Echomap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery, all packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today.
3: For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the ruffed grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about Forest Wildlife Habitat Management, contact... The Rough Ground Society, toll free at 888 Join RGS. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. You know, every deer season you hear some pretty remarkable stories. Strange things happen when there's 500,000 people out in the woods. And joining us now from De Forest is a hunter who has a story that will be pretty hard to top, I think. You may have heard this story or read about it or seen the video on Facebook. His name is Asher Torbeck. And Asher, welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, you bet your story is pretty amazing. So let's take it from the top. Where were you hunting up north somewhere? By
7: O'Connell County, Gillett. So I've been hunting up there for I don't know 20 years, probably same area for probably the last decade or so. So my uncle owns uh, Apple Creek Whitetails, which is right up in that area. And we hunt some of the 40s that he was buying up over the years. So I actually go along the fence line to get back into my stand, and it, it comes off a highway and I follow it all the way into the woods. Well, so opening day probably about 10 a.m. or so I said dark to dark on the opening day and I look over and I can actually see the fence for the high fence deer farm that's behind me mm-hmm. and it was just kind of cool I mean I can see huge bucks inside that I can't shoot you know
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
7: but, uh, anyway I see stuff over there all the time so I, I see something walking and so I bring the binos up and I'm looking over there I couldn't quite see exactly what it was but I'm like I'm pretty sure that had two legs whatever it was this big body with two legs so I didn't think a whole lot much more of it because every once in a while I'll see stuff in there that's kind of goofy. Like he had donkeys for a while uh, that were keeping coyotes out of the pen and things like that. So I've seen some weird stuff over there, and I just didn't think a whole lot of it. About five hours later, something's coming through the brush at me, and I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, I was seeing deer all day, and where I hunt, it's it's pretty thick marsh, so you can kind of hear them, and then all of a sudden they pop out, and you get, kind of got to be ready. So well, then it pops out, and I'm like, what? in the world is that? (laughs) Okay. That is an emu. What in the world is an emu doing out here? Just kind of milling around, looking around, and I'm I'm looking at your vinyls at first to confirm what I was seeing, and I'm like, what in the world? So it walks around for a bit, and then it kind of spots me. I don't know a whole lot about emos, but they must see way better than deer do, because... It kind of saw me up there and it walked over went right underneath my stand and was looking up at me, walking around underneath <laughs> my stand looking at me.
1: He was wondering, or it was wondering what you were about the same way you were wondering what it was, huh? Yep.
7: That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Or it's like, what is this person doing up in a tree? Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing up there? <laughs> so then it mills around for a little bit and kind of, I was texting with the, the farm manager and I'm like, hey, do you guys have an emu that escaped or something? And he's like, no, I don't know what, oh. I don't know what that is. Hmm and it kind of walks off and it was actually walking off in the direction of my uncle so I sent him a text too I'm like hey I don't know what's going on but there's an emo walking around out here he never saw it I was taking some pictures of it and stuff because I'm like no one's going to believe this so I had an emo walked right up to me I didn't see it the rest of the night I went back to the beer shack I was telling the story and showing some pictures and we're all laughing I'm like what in the world is that so then uh, we ended up going out for dinner and stuff and while we were out in town some of the locals were like yeah uh, down the road a little ways there was some emos that escaped and I think there was four total, but one of them never really left. Two of them got away and got captured um, within a couple of days or a day or so, but the other one had been out there for over a week, and they didn't know where it was. Somebody gave me, the, they screenshotted the, the, this Facebook post for the, the uh, emo owner, and I ended up getting that, and he was going to keep in case I saw the emo again. So then the next afternoon, uh, I went to that same area, but I went to a different stand about 70 yards or so further in, and as I'm walking out there, I see this dark figure underneath my stand, like literally right underneath the tree I was going to, which was a different tree.
6: Oh my! And I'm
7: like, "Holy cow!" It's, just, it's the evil again, still standing there, looking around. So I kind of walk over in its direction. It walks off probably 15 yards or so. And I always carry extra clothes there, and i was putting some extra clothes on. And the evil standing right there, about 15 yards away, maybe just kind of watching me the whole time. So then I climb up my stand. And it was walking around within like 10, 15 yards of my tree for a couple hours. Oh, boy. Just kind of walking around, looking yeah. around. Kept looking up at D, and it was just kind of milling around, eating little berries on the trees and stuff. But after a while, it went about 10 yards away, and it laid down. And then it curled its head in, so just like a lump of feathers laying on the ground. So, I okay, whatever, just kind of watching it and continuing to hunt. Well, I hadn't seen any deer. And I was actually thinking, like, I wonder if deer can smell it or if they're nervous around it or if they can see it or what. But cause I hadn't seen any deer with it around. Well, the thing slept for probably maybe 30, 40 minutes, and then it's just getting to be about 4 o'clock now, and all of a sudden I hear something coming through the brush, and I'm watching, and here's a, a deer. I could see the deer body coming through. This This time I had four legs, so I knew what it was. <laughs>
6: yeah, <Okay.
7: laughs> So it's milling around, and it's coming right at me, and there's a couple trails that I sit on there, and it's on one of those trails so It's walking along. while it goes right in the direction of the emu that's laying now 10 yards from my tree sleeping. Yeah. And it's just walking in nice and slow, kind of looking around, and I noticed there was a little six-point buck. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> it's walking right at this sleeping emu. We'll see what happens. So it's coming in, coming in. Well, it gets about probably 15 yards away from the emu sleeping. And all of a sudden, the emu gets startled, and it jumps up to its feet. And all of a sudden, there's this six-foot bird standing there looking <laughs> at this deer. <laughs> Deer stops in his tracks and he's looking like what in the That's the biggest turkey ever seen? Right. (laughs) They're kind of bobbing their heads back and forth and looking at each other for probably ten minutes. I was just watching the whole thing. This is funny. They're just looking like what are you? What in the world? And I don't think the deer or the emo knew what to do next. So then after about ten minutes, the buck turns sideways and he starts kind of walking off a little bit. He's looking looking back at the emo like what in the world is that. So I'm like, well, who in the world can say that they uh, had an emu friend that had a run distraction for him while they shot a buck? Yeah. Well, gun hunting. So I'm like, I'm going to take this buck. So I end up shooting him. He runs off probably 50 yards, and I saw him crash, was watching him and everything. Well, the whole time I'm watching him, because after, you know, follow through on, on the shot, right, I'm watching to see where he goes down. Then I thought, oh, man, I bet I scared the crap out of that uh, emu. Yeah. So I look over to see if it's still there. Sure enough, it moved maybe 10 feet or so, but it was still standing right there looking up at me. <laughs> probably like, what What did you do to that thing? You know, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, are you going so. to shoot me? <laughs>
7: yeah, all right. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So then I climbed down the tree, and I walk over to where I shot, and I get on blood, and I knew where it was, But I was just following the blood trail. And as I'm following along, I get to a certain point, probably 30 yards into the track, and I turn around and look, and the was maybe 10 yards behind me, walking right along with me. Oh, boy. <laughs> follow me around, so I walk over, get to the buck, I position them, and I start, uh, you know, continue to harvest. I got them out and stuff, and the entire time the emo was standing there about ten yards away, but never left, never did anything, just kind of stood there. Well, the, by the time I was done, it was dark outside, so I go to drag the the deer out of there, and I lost track of where the emo was, but I, I don't know. I have a suspicion that based on what happens the next day, that it was following me around, uh-huh. followed me maybe back. So I get back. By then I had been texting with the uh, owner of the emo, like, yeah, I know where it is can take you back there the next day and she was trying to line up a uh person with a tranquilizer gun because that's how they recovered the other two so we're texting that night and i said i'm gonna go back to that same stand in the morning so the next morning i get up go out hunt and i wasn't seeing anything and about i was actually kind of wondering if it wandered off or what i I don't know what to think but at about quarter after eight all of a sudden, the body's coming through the brush again. I could tell right away it was it was the emo. I walked <laughs> right directly to the same tree that I was in. Oh, boy. Walked right up to the ladder and looked up at me.
6: Yeah.
7: <laughs> like, checking if I was there. So I started sending uh, text messages to the owner, letting her know where it's at and stuff. And we were trying to come up with a plan to see if they can get somebody with a tranquilizer or whatever lined up. So I hunted until about 10, climbed down the tree. And then I had brought some snacks and stuff, all like bread and stuff for the emo that don't worry so I give to her because I, I assume she was hungry. I'm sure that's why she's following me around. I used the bread and kind of worked my way in slowly and eventually the emu let me get right up to her, uh, within about, you know, two, three feet. So when I started taking, well I was taking pictures all along. I was taking pictures of the emu looking up at me and a video of it walking through the woods and then as I got up there, I ended up taking a selfie with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm standing right next to it. Yeah. So I stood by it for a little while, trying to wait and hear back from the owner. Well, I found out later that she was in Minnesota and was in an area where she didn't ever get reception on her phone. So she wasn't getting my texts and calls. I didn't know what to do, so I started walking back to my truck. Well, as I'm walking back to my truck, the emu was following me the whole way. So I get back to my truck, I sit down on the tailgate, and I'm kind of waiting to hear back. The emu, I walked right along the fence line for that deer farm, and uh, the emu was kind of walking back and forth along the fence. And after a while, I'm like, well, it's going the direction I need to go. I'll just drive behind it and kind of follow it while I'm waiting here back. I thinks it's probably 50 years away from me at this point. I start the truck, and it turns and looks at me, and it starts sprinting. And I don't know if you ever watched an emu run. So now the emu is sprinting toward me, head waving around in the air, and it runs right up to my about 10 feet from my driver's door and is looking at me. So I turn my truck off, and I got out, and I'm like, well, clearly you want to get out of here or something. You want to be around a human, so let me, let me try to figure out what we're going to do here. So I waited a little bit longer and then eventually I'm like well maybe and I thought about walking out like maybe she'll just follow me I'll walk out but it's like two miles mm. so I'm like oh well, maybe she'll follow my truck so I mm. start my truck up again I start driving along and sure enough she <laughs> starts following me so I was taking videos of that too I'm driving along through the woods next to this fence and the emo is kind of dawdling behind me they walk a little slow every once in a while I would get. Farther, far enough away where she'd panic a little bit and she'd come running and <laughs> they catch up to me. <laughs> and the, the fence turns a couple times so I actually had to stop because she would kind of panic and get to a point where she could see me through the fence because there's a corner Yeah. but she couldn't figure out how to get to me. Oh. So I'd have to get out of my truck and walk back to the corner or ever follow me around the corner.
1: Oh my goodness, truck. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs> but I could tell she was kind of panicked. She's walking back and forth. Finally get could hear back from the owner that's when she tells me she's she's out of town with bad reception i'm like well do you have any anybody else come over here i'm right here i dropped a pin on a map and sent it to him and uh she sent her brother over Well, the brother gets there he's like i don't really know a lot about emails either but she told me that if you put a sock over their head that they go docile and we should be able to pick it up then and, and get it in the sand okay like, okay that sounds good yeah right I, and I, you know i watched wildlife videos and stuff you see how they roll an animal over on its back or something that goes docile or you know, yep. goes to sleep or whatever so that's a probable story probably is correct he tries to walk up to it it wouldn't let him get within 15 yards he kept running away and then i would walk back and run away so i'm like well let me let me try she,
1: yeah, let know, me, he, uh, she, she knows me better yeah
7: yeah, yeah right right <laughs> she clearly knows i'm not gonna hurt her or something because she's been around me for three days so i walk up to her take my time, go slow, and I finally get up to her, and I start petting her on the neck, and kind of getting her comfortable with me, and I'm holding this tube sock the guy gave me, and I'm like, how in the world am I going to get this tube sock over this emu's head? Right. And like, they have huge legs and a huge beak, and I'm like, I hope this thing doesn't peck me, or kick me, mm-hmm. so I had, I was wearing my orange beanie, and I'm like, I bet a beanie hat would be a lot easier to get over this emu's head, because, you know, I can just plop it on there, and then I'll just kind of pin the hat on her head, and hopefully she goes that's all, and I'll we'll get her out of here. So I go put my beanie on the emu's head and as soon as I did that, she pulls away and I let go because I, I was told she'd go, nuts. Well, then she starts flailing about like an escape fire hose oh boy. Her head all over the plate and not real happy with what I just did. So the hat goes flying off and then I try to figure out another plan. I'm walking in again. I finally get up to her and I'm holding the tube sock and I'm like, well, I'm going to have to give it a shot here. So I'm kind of working the tube sock up near her, her face and her beak and kind of getting her comfortable. While I'm petting her and I'm like... You know, now's the time, so i got to go. So I start working it over her beak. She pulls away a little bit, but I was able to kind of hold her by the head and slip this tooth sock over her head. Well, I didn't want to hurt the animal. I was trying not to hurt it, so I let go. Well, then she starts whipping all over the place. <laughs> Same thing like an escape firearm. I look over at the brother, and I'm like, I thought you was supposed to go docile. And he's like, I thought so too, man. I don't know anything about you. Mm-hmm. So we're like, so we're watching this thing just flailing about. And I'm like, it's either going to hit it right by the fence so it's going to hit it's head on the fence or it's going to run off in the worst case, runs off into the woods and now has a tube sock over it. Yeah, right. So I look at him I'm like, we got to go hands-on with this thing. And I was telling him, like, I'm sure all the power's in its legs. So the thing is all legs. It's body and legs. You know? So I'm like, we got to get it off its feet and then we'll just carry it to your van. So we get over there and we're both moving in and finally we, we grab hold of it and we're wrestling with it and we're trying to get its feet off the ground. So we end up working together and kind of lifting it up in the air. Well then his big feet are just like punching off straight up, <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit. We end up carrying it, and it was quite a struggle. Probably seventy yards or so. It was damn. Uh-huh. And uh, as we're carrying, we're struggling the whole way. We fell over once, and so we had to kind of wiggle back up and keep her from running off and to get back up. He had a minivan, so the back hatch is open. So he trying to get it in the back of his minivan and closes the tailgate. Uh, he's like, "Oh, thank you so much, man." I'm like. No need for thanks. I'm glad we got her contained, but you got to get her to her pen as fast as possible. I don't yeah. <laughs> want her to tear up your van or get hurt. But actually, once we got her in the van and closed the door and backed off, she actually just kind of stood there. So I don't know if the whole doss off and just takes a while to kick in or what. And that was it. You know, I went home and I was telling all my my family and friends for our deer group, and we're all laughing, and they're like, you need to put that on social media. You need to put that on Facebook. People get a kick out of it. So I'm like, okay, why not? That's fine. So I eventually wrote up the story uh, when I had some time, and kind of blew up. I mean, people got a kick out of it. There's a lot of entertaining. And actually just yesterday I got a message from a lady that was hunting uh, somewhere, I don't know where, but she was sitting in a blind with her daughter and they hadn't seen any deer all day. And they were actually just getting ready to pack up, but she came across the story so she read the story, kept them in the stand just long enough. That right till they got to the end, they were laughing about the story and stuff. And right when I got to the end, they see two does come in, and her daughter ended up harvesting two does because they stayed in the stand to
6: read
1: the story, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. The emu and the story about the emu helped harvest three deer this year for uh, deer yep, hunters.
7: That's correct, that we know of, yeah.
1: Amazing. Well, Asher, I don't know how you'll beat this one.
7: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Never expected that something like that.
1: <laughs> And as far as you know, the emu is safe and sound back home, wherever home is?
7: Yes. Later in the day, actually, that same day that we recovered her, I got a message from the owner thanking me for helping getting her back home and stuff. Yeah. But then I posted it on social media, and I didn't even know the emu's name. She actually was messing with me, Then everything's good with the emu, and her name is actually Limu. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
7: L-I-M-U. So,
1: pretty cool. There you go. Well, Limu the emu helped you harvest a deer and gave you an entertaining three days of hunting. That's cool. Sure did. Asher Torbeck with a great story, hunting deer with the aid of an emu. Can you top that one? I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com.
4: The Midwest's largest fishing website, lake-link.com, is your online fishing resource. 90% of Lake Link's features are yours to use free of charge. And members get access to Lake Link's online lake map library, lets you get GPS coordinates of any spot on the lake, and export waypoints to your onboard electronics. Members also get free outdoor classified ads, discounts, and online store merchandise, and a whole lot more. You can also listen to Outdoors Radio 24-7 on Lake Link. Listen to this week's show... Catch any of our past shows, subscribe to our podcast, or even sign up for our weekly e-newsletter so you'll know in advance what's coming up right here. Just type in the keyword radio. See what you've been missing. Log on to lake-link.com today. That's lake-link.com.
0: Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
4: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend. On the web at cedarlakesales.com. Find out what's up with them on their Facebook page or the website for more details. We're also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camo wear at a price you can afford. Huntworthgear.com. And by Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. A proud sponsor of Outdoors Radio and duck hunters everywhere at
1: ducks.org. And by the way, what's going on at Cedar Lake Sales now that the, everybody's boat is winterized or should be? They've got Christmas gifts for boaters and they've got plenty in stock. You can save on life jackets, flow fast, t-shirts, floating pads, and you get a free hat with a gift card purchase. So check it out, cedarlakesales.com. And if our TV show Outdoor Wisconsin is not airing where you live, you can always watch past episodes at Milwaukee PBS org and our deer hunt wisconsin show is archived as always on the deer hunt wisconsin youtube channel And you'll find a link to it on my facebook page and we will have a message up there as well we have already got a number of photos and videos sent to us by successful hunters and some unsuccessful ones as well so if you've got photos of your hunt and i've got a couple from jeff and robert their hunt Uh, Send them to us. I'll have a link on my Facebook page. We might use them on a future Deer Hunt Wisconsin show. Very cool. Well, if you missed
4: anything on today's show, as we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, uh, you can always go back and listen to to it again. Uh, Or if you're just joining us late and you want to hear the whole show, go ahead over to lake-link.com. Scroll down to the bottom of their page. You can find the outdoor radio link right there. You can click on it. You'll find our show, download it, and take it with you. Throughout the week. You can also find Dan on social media at Dan Small Outdoors. Find me at Hardwater Jeff.
1: And a few calendar items this week. The Deer Donation program is still up and running, and you can find information on the Deer uh, on the Deer Donation program, on the DNR website, and the State Park stickers and park uh, and trail passes are available now. If you don't buy the conservation patron license, if you buy them individually, they are available and they're good from the date of purchase through December 31st of next year. And if you happen to run across a bear den while you were out there deer hunting or anytime you're in the woods, the DNR research team would like to know where it's located. They are looking for uh, bear dens so they can put collars on the sows and determine litter size and cub survival, and they're also looking at what connection there might be to the bear's affinity to human food, like garbage cans and bird feeders and bait piles and stuff like that. Uh, What's the connection between that and litter size and survival? And speaking of bears, the deadline to apply for bear permits is December 10th. It's coming up. And also spring turkey. Uh, Jeff and I have got to remember to do that if uh, he hasn't already done Yeah, I've got to do
4: it for, for Robert, myself, and myself. I was actually just thinking about that yeah. the other night of how I was going to, you know, what seasons for what and, and all
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a Lake Superior lake trout angler, you probably don't know this already. The season opens December 1st, and so that is going on now. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com. I'm Dan Small. I'm here with Jeff Kelm. Get outside this weekend, and remember, muzzleloader's still going on. Then there's the antlerless hunt, and eventually the holiday hunt. So wear blaze orange if you're outside, at least through December 11th, and then over the holidays as well. And be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. When my
5: lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure. When the worms go
7: dry in the coffee can, honey, I'll be true.